Thank you for listening to The Only Way Is Up, where we teach science and homeopathic remedies to arm you in the battle of good mental health. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. If you have a medical condition, please contact a qualified healthcare provider. Please rate us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts, and enjoy the show. All right, yeah, a uh, little little mix up there. I forgot the intro to the episode, but I'm Chris, and with me in studio is Jack, and that makes this the only way is up. Today is episode 15, living life one day at a time. So, uh, last you know, normally this is around the time that we we uh, you know just kind of talk talk turkey around the table, just kind of see how each other are doing. So, uh, Jack, uh, how you know uh, how you doing from how you doing from last week, my man? You know what I am doing. Ten times better than last week. Uh, if you guys didn't pick up on it, I was in the middle, a little bit of a rant uh, last week, and I thank you for even just listening and dealing with it. And it doesn't matter if you haven't started therapy, in the middle of therapy, or after therapy. The great news is you can never get away from uh, a reoccurrence, a relapse. And I would say last week I had... Uh, I don't know, kind of the Niagara Falls of relapses. It's been a while since I had one like that. What I did learn is writing a podcast in the middle of a relapse was actually very therapeutic because I didn't remember a single word that I wrote. And it just translated all of your whining onto paper. That's uh, I'm sure that was great for, so, for, for you. Just before we started this, he was talking about he was going to be nice to me. Oh, I didn't uh, mean today. Oh, <laughs> not, oh, next time we go riding, I yeah, forgot. Yeah, next time, yeah, when oh. we're uh, at the coffee shop next yeah, time. My bad, uh, my bad. Yeah, there's no, there's no, no room for uh, niceties on, on the only way is up. It doesn't work that way. But I will say this: I, I have been getting quite a few compliments on our podcast. That's that's good. That that makes the whole thing worth doing. And uh, actually, for uh, listeners, also some other updates. We have apparently some guests that are looking to join on the podcast as well. So we hope to be bringing you all some episodes here in the next. Uh, maybe the next month or two with some guest speakers, which would be a lot of fun for us and you as listeners. Um, but overall, um, yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing better, Jack. Uh, you know, it's um, and I, I do disagree, though, that you, hey, you maybe had a setback, but it doesn't mean everybody's going to have a setback because you can heal your anxiety. I, you know what? I am. I'm going to go with that. And and I'm not going to fight you. This was a, this was a setback. But you know what? You're only coming out stronger on the top. I have, every, I have all the faith in the world in you, buddy. I agree with that. Yeah. I'll even say it was a God thing, right? Because that's how you learn is you have to go through the trial to come out on the other end. You know, you know what? I'm going to actually concede on that one. So you know what? Sometimes, it's true. Sometimes when uh, when God shuts a door, he uh, opens another one. Or uh, Tonight when you go to bed, look out your window. I'm going to be sitting on the front of my truck with a boombox over my head. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's not going to be playing... Music, it'll be playing gospel, uh, <laughs> and and the Lord spaketh unto you. No, 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 it'll be like 80s Alabama country music, <laughs> my favorite because <laughs> that's right. what you listen to in upstate New York, that, right? That, that's ex- exactly that's what all of us, uh, up, upper New York rednecks listen to. Actually, uh, never mind, you weren't born, not well, I was in the late 80s, I'm an 80s baby, and this was 81. I wasn't born. <laughs> <laughs> All right, living life one day at a time. Uh, today's today's uh, podcast, basically, um, you know, I guess you could sort of frame this as like a when you are 
um, maybe towards the or when you were in the wake of your journey, um, you know, sort of what comes next and and how you are just living life day to day. So, um, Jack, uh, go ahead and take it away, my man. I, you know, it also gets into a little bit of like the precursor, right? Um, we need to look at it. Well, I don't. We'll peel that in when we get there. Uh, so, living life one day at a time. You know, what does that mean? And, like, how does that apply to me? Like, I've heard, you know, I'm a Southern boy. So, I've had, you know, my grandmother tell me before, my mom's like, hey, you can only live a life one day at a time. And I didn't understand it then, and I don't understand it now. Like, what are you, what are you trying to get at, right? Um, you know, and on, even on this podcast, like, we always talk about prevention of anxiety attacks and how to respond to them. But we never talk about the shame or embarrassment of it, um, or if there even is shame and embarrassment. Uh, you know, I, Chris pointed out just before the show started that you know I frame it as kind of like an embarrassing thing because to me I've completed what I I thought I was done with therapy, and that I was fixed. But it did prove to me that I was not healed. Um, but you, you can be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was my take on it. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, why do others, but before I even get into others, why do I myself put a stigma on mental health itself? Like, why do I think less of myself for having to deal with these issues? That, that's, I think, a very common thing, actually, for people with anxiety, not just the embarrassment of, like, let's say, having a panic attack in the middle of a public situation, but also saying to yourself, well, why, you know, well, why me? Why am I weaker than other people? Why, why can't I function like everybody else? You know, what is wrong with me? But when the, when the answer very truly is that there is nothing wrong with you and there's nothing to be embarrassed about, do you think... Um, Somebody with, you know, diabetes or uh, a paraplegic, should they be embarrassed about about their ailment or their uh, tribulations and trials? I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, anxiety is, I guess you could say it's an illness like, like, um, like heart disease or cancer. And you wouldn't look at somebody with cancer and and shame them and say well you're a loser and you must not have eaten correctly and you you know had bad habits and that's why you have cancer and now you're gonna die of course you wouldn't talk to somebody like that you would speak to them compassionately and and try to make them feel better and somebody should be doing that to themselves with anxiety it's okay to be having a tough time and it's okay to have anxiety and maybe it's a little bad right now but it will get a little better and speak to yourself kindly and, and uh, know that you don't deserve to feel this way. Even if you did bad things, as long as you, you look forward into trying to become a better person and trying to right those wrongs, uh, you, you, you don't need to, you, you shouldn't feel bad, you shouldn't be forced to feel bad, you should speak to yourself compassionately, forgive yourself. And uh, I think that that can help a lot of people going through that um, that notion that there's a stigma to mental health because at the end of the day, there really shouldn't be any embarrassment about it. Um, I'm certainly not embarrassed about having uh, having had anxiety. I'm going to go ahead and just say had anxiety because uh, I've been doing pretty pretty damn well the last few weeks. Um, but uh, that said, uh, there's really yeah, there's just absolutely no reason to be embarrassed about it. So, just a point of clarification 
from what you just said like a minute or two ago, if I heard you right, you said as long as you confess your sins, right, and get right with the one above, then you'll be right within yourself. So sort of like I must be Jack's wife because I'm going to say you hear what you want to hear. Uh, <laughs> look, it, it's... I didn't say that, but it's if you want a biblical spin, I'm going to throw but it. But if in you want to throw the biblical spin on there, that's that is that is kind of true. I know I struggled with a lot of the shitty things that I did in my past, and you know, like you can sit, you can, you you can. Woe is me, all day long for weeks on end, for months on end about the bad stuff that you did, but you you just you can't change the past, but you can be a better person in the future. And sometimes you just need to let go of the bad things that you did and and know that like, hey, I'm not the same person I was a year ago, so I'm I'm ready to um you know, I'm 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 ready to not only be a better person, but help other people be better people and and bring up that communal living and crap that Jack's always <laughs> bitching about. Uh so uh so yes, um it there there is there is no uh it is not productive to dwell on the past. And that is a big component of anxiety is dwelling on, you know, your past mistakes, uh, grievances, issues, et cetera, and so forth. So uh, be compassionate with yourself. Yeah. And, and a little bit about what you were just talking about, we're going to get into later on in the show. Um, but right now, I want to kind of get into some stuff. And the way I wrote this, and and Chris is actually just seeing this for the first time because, you know, I was late getting this done. Um I want to turn this first part into like a Q&A, but I'm going to ask the question, but I'm also going to answer it because I want my answer and I want your answer, right? And let's see if they match up. Or Who gets to answer first? Well, I wrote it and I'm reading it, so obviously you, princess, oh, you can, that's you can be first. Oh, we get to talk about me for once. That's great. Thanks. All right, let's, uh, by the way, the <laughs> at the end of the last episode, <laughs> you're when you snap back with uh, I think I think I said something like, "Well, I'm glad we you know talked about you for 45 minutes," and you you snap back with something like, "Yeah, it's it's first 10 episodes we talked about you or whatever." I was <laughs> I was dying when I was editing that out. Anyway, um, you edited or, it or, out. No, I'm sorry, not edited out, but it was it was editing it. I, I was I was just fucking crying. Anyway, uh, okay, yeah. So uh, well, that's the beauty of our show. Yeah, right. I mean, like. <laughs> If you can't make fun of each other, then who can? Exactly, right? and um, and it's it's really funny and good to us, but um, apparently nobody else thinks. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> so, uh, all right, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, ask I, that, away. That, that's not true. Our three listeners actually appreciate <laughs> what we have to say. My wife, play. my wife, your wife, and some random stalker. <laughs> His name is Cody, is and it? he gives us five stars for every show. <laughs> Love, Never love, met him. <laughs> love, love you, Cody. <laughs> so, all right. First question. How many people in your personal c- circle know that you are or have been struggling? Um, That's a good question. I would say any, anybody that's even like relatively close to me probably knows because, you, you know, again, I, I, I really wasn't embarrassed about it. I probably wouldn't tell, you know, like clients or... Um, you know, strangers or, you know, people I don't know very well. Cause it's a little bit of like an awkward thing too, to just, you know, Oh yeah. Hi, my name is uh, Joseph. Hi, I'm Chris. I have anxiety. You know, like it's a little, it's just, I don't know. It just feels a little strange doing that. But, um, I would say that anybody in, in my like 
solid friend circle is probably well aware. So um, I don't have like a head count, but I'd say a pretty pretty good chunk. So. Okay. All right. Uh, since you asked. I, I, uh, I, I'm literally, you were about to queue up something, so I was letting you fucking finish. Jack, how many people in your circle know? Oh, this is going to be one of those shows. I can feel it. Uh, in all seriousness, I I believe you even made fun of me for it one time. Like, I, I carried on, like, a sandwich plate or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah, sandwich board. Yeah. I have changed my business card around. Uh, <laughs> I am Jack Warner of Bravo Maritime Group. <laughs> I have anxiety. Anxiety uh, extraordinaire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, no, like... Um, you know what? Like I, I announced it. We announced it on Facebook. You mm-hmm. know the podcast and all that. Um, I, you know, and I, I, I find myself having more mental health conversations with people um, because they know. And what it is is they'll tell somebody they're like, oh, you know, I just can't deal with this or what have you. And they're like, hey, here's a podcast I recommend. It's a friend of mine. And then I'll. And that person kind of knows me through a network and then they'll reach out and like, Hey, I didn't know you were struggling. Mm-hmm. Like I, I listened to your podcast or, uh, Frank told me about you having to deal with this. I just had a call the other day. Uh, I, I knew this girl, we were stationed together eons ago. Um, and she called up and she like texted, like love the podcast. I think it's great. I have a friend of mine, that's going through issues right now and they're in the military and they're actually on duty. Like, do you have any recommendations? And here I am like walking through um, a store here in town with my wife. And I was just, I'm like, hang on. Like, and I just start like texting and I'm like, breathe. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, and sure shit, like nothing like, and she's at a, she, for her mental health, this person takes medication. So I was just like, you know what? Go to the restroom, right? Just kind of like get into a quiet place because the anxiety attack was happening and all that stuff. Sure. Um, if it's debilitating, like you you cannot function, you you need to call your medical provider. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you can if you can kind of work through it, we talked about your your Wim Hof yeah, breathing. Hey. You know what I mean? Like, hey, it works, right? The forcible breathing, yeah. in for five, hold for five, out for five, and everything else, like. Figure out what works for you. And I'm literally, I'm telling, I'm texting to this one person and that person is then in taking what I am and texting to someone else that I don't even know. So it's, in a Christian sense, we are reaching out and changing people's lives, which I think is awesome. Okay. So what you're saying is that makes you feel pretty good though. I guess. It does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? That was after we did our podcast in the midst of the shitstorm that I was dealing with last week. Oh, 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 after the 14. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about it is, is that I, and we talk about this later on, I stopped making myself the center of attention in my brain. And it was just like, you know what? I need to pour into someone else. That's a, that's a really healthy and good thing. I mean, honestly, like I think people with, that struggle with anxiety, that's uh, another big factor is, is just like you're so inwardly focused. Uh, you know, it, it, it does serve and help to kind of ex, extrovert your, your, your uh, focus, not on yourself uh, for sure. <laughs> 
That's what he should have said. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I know that she would say to herself, like, well, it's nobody's business. You know, like, this is my struggle or this is something that I need to deal with or um, something, you know, whatever. And would probably not tell friends or family. But I, but I, and I almost use it as like an, the opposite, almost as like a tool where I told almost more people than I probably should have. And then that was really, that then picked up on who my friends really were. Because yes. those that either didn't respond well to it or were negative about it or were assholes, whatever, then I knew, well, this person's not a, a good friend. Um, one of those people, for example, I now do a podcast with, which is, uh, which is strange, but, um, but anyway, it's, it's, uh, hmm. Hmm. That, that said, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if there was somebody that I told, even like people that I like found maybe like somewhat hard to trust. I still probably told them a little bit and they may have like blabbed or, or like gossiped about it, but I just didn't really give a shit. Um, I'm not sure why the the embarrassment thing never r- really struck me. What did hit me was the internal shame, though. Like to me, it was a big thing of well, why? Like, what did I do wrong to feel this way? What am I doing wrong? You know, why me? Why me? Why me? Um, I had a lot of trouble speaking compassionately to myself. Um, you know, even going so far as well, you deserve this because because of the shit that you did in your past. Um, and everybody does. I mean, again, like let's be honest, everybody does bad stuff in, in their past. I mean, some. Anxiety has a, a tendency to amplify every little thing in your in your head. So, um, you know, let's say you steal a pack of gum from a gas station when you were, you know, nine years old. That may seem like a big deal under anxiety, but you know, I'm not advocating you do that. But uh, you know, you you're not a bad person because you stole a pack of gum from a gas station. That's by, by the way, I never did that. I just want to be very clear. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so uh, what about you? What would keep you from telling certain people or friends or family? Um, I saw it as a sign of weakness. Um, so I got diagnosed with PTSD late November, early December 2017, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't let Valerie and the girls say the say those letters out loud like i don't i don't want to hear it like it's not real this guy you know he's just a shrink trying to make money off people that's it um and it wasn't until i started with my therapist summer of 18 seven months later that i think the third or fourth session she looked at me and she's like if you can't say the letters there's no reason why we're meeting because you're never going to get past this right so then I, and I had to, I had to sit there and say, I have PTSD. You know what I mean? Like that. So to me, it wasn't a shame or an embarrassment. To me, it was like, it was like a weakness. You know what I mean? I'd imagine that's a pretty common thread for, for people in the military. Cause like, you're supposed to be like strong and, you know, like protectors and that kind of thing. But so like, I'd imagine a lot of people in the military would look at it like a sign of weakness. And it's crazy. It's like these things would pop up in your brain that happened like 12, 15 years ago. Yeah. And you're like, I buried you down deep. Like, why are you showing I, up? Yeah. It, it, yeah. Anxiety. The, one of the best examples I have or, or sort of analogies of, of anxiety is, uh, you know, anxiety is that silt at the bottom of a lake and some boat motor 
just fucking like zhuzhed it all up and now it's just a cloudy sandy mess you know floating around and yeah stuff that's buried really really deep somehow just peeks its head up uh it's you know but you could and reframe you know let's reframe that good so now that stuff is all resurfaced and now that gives me a second chance to work on it and uh and and make you know clear it up and let it go and process it and stuff so you know it can be a good thing little, little jocko reared his ugly little, head yeah. yeah i like that uh what is keeping you from admitting it to yourself um i don't think i well you know i guess in some ways i guess if you really want to think technically about it i guess i did have a problem admitting it to myself because i kept blaming it on a health problem so it was like I, well, I mean, I, you you laugh, but I mean, like, I guess right. to me it was like there's no way I have anxiety because I've never felt anxiety before, so it's got to be schizophrenia. It's got to be this. It's got to be this. You know, whatever, right? Well, and I got to be honest with you, like, I was laughing, crazy. I wasn't thinking about you. Um, I was laughing when you said that because my therapist, she's like, "Do you have anxiety?" And I was like, "No." She's like, "How do you feel?" And I was like, "Most days of the week." I don't know, like I drank like a six pack of Monsters and I haven't eaten anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, we call that anxiety. And yeah, I'm like, <laughs> why do we have to label everything? You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> Heart palpitations, uh, can't sleep, can't eat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, it, it's, I guess it, there is a bit of a propagation period for you to like admit it to yourself that it, it's anxiety. And, and I'm sure that's not for everybody, but um, I'm not military and it was, it was hard for me to admit it, I guess, but uh yeah. So anyway. Did you see it as a sign of weakness? Like, it's a chink in the male armor, right? Yeah. Like, I don't care about military or any of that stuff. Like, if we get down to, like, the bare basics of, like, men and women, right? Hunter, gatherer, yeah. essence. Like, and not that women can't be hunters and men can't be gatherers. I don't care about that. It doesn't matter what species you are. I, I'm I, just I, asking it, if you're yeah. a hunter. It, do you think it has a little bit of chink in that? It does. It feels emasculating. And, like, the thing is, is, like, um, for me, it, it, it took, a, like, probably a couple months before that kicked in because my brain was in such 100% overdrive, high alert, like, f- fucking, I mean, my flight, fight, or flee response just did not turn off. And um, so I was so fixated on that, I think, and that feeling of going insane that uh, um, I, it, it took me until the come down for me to realize, you know, Oh, I'm embarrassed about this. Like, how am I going to, how am I going to be a good protector to my, my wife, my kid, my, you know, am I a loser? Like all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I mean, it did, that did rear its ugly head, but it took a few months for that to happen. I want to actually point out something that is kind of cool that happened the other day. So this is about three weeks ago. And what I would actually classify as maybe one of my like last things of anxiety and I was at an event and I could literally feel my fight or flight response just kick in like all of a sudden tunnel vision kicked in that feeling of going insane kicked in um the heart palpitations the sweating it was just kind of you know I mean absolute high alert and I was able to effectively talk myself down by basically saying, look, I don't know why this is happening. Something in your amygdala is playing tricks on you and and caused this to happen. But listen, you're not losing your mind. I know this for 100% fact because on days that you know, on days that you don't feel crazy, 
you can confidently say you're not losing your mind. Because somebody that's losing their mind, generally speaking, doesn't know they're losing their mind either. Anyway, so I was able to say that to myself and then say to myself with confidence, this is a really, really awful feeling right now, but it will go away if not in an hour or two hours, then probably by tomorrow. And after that, I then distracted myself and basically just got into whatever I was doing. And sure enough, after about an hour and a half, it just sort of went away. Um, and, I, and the only reason why I'm sharing this is because, like, for those that do feel that flight, fight, or f- flee kick in, um, you know, or whatever, like, that is a real, really good CBT trick is to just basically, like, tell yourself with pure confidence it's anxiety, but it's okay it can be there for right now, but I'm just going to go ahead and distract myself doing something else. And I really feel that that's a very effective method. And you keep doing that and your amygdala eventually just retrains itself and it stops fucking with you. So um, anyway, that, that uh, you know, is, I guess, sort of a, the closing on, on admitting it to myself. But anyway. And, and for me, admitting it to myself, uh, to me, it was the fear of what was next, right? Like. And, and that, to me, it was a fear of actually feeling good again. Like, you know, what is this going to look like? What, what do you mean I have to go back through? I have to go through therapy. What do you, what do you mean I, I can't control the thoughts that are in my head? Like, I have controlled my entire world and other people's worlds for the last 22 and a half years. Yeah. What do you mean I don't have control anymore? But then as a Christian, I learned that none of us actually have control of anything. So... That tied it back, that, right? That that does go back to let it letting go. I mean, because at the end of the day, like you you do only have a finite amount of control over what happens to you or your loved ones, and you do the best you can. You act responsibly and you know with courage, and good things will probably tag along with that, but. Ultimately, you don't have control over everything. And if you just let go of that notion that you do, that will be a big, big, big help for you. Um, But it's a tough one. Now, the controlling your thoughts thing, I mean, yeah, again, that's the amygdala doing its job at just, you know, making everything. It's, you know, it's turning a little noise in the forest, you know, when you're walking with your bucket of water back to your, you know, your teepee, um, you know, that the imagination kicks in. Is that is that a tiger? Is that a uh, you know, a, a cougar, a, a, a you know, bobcat. You know, so what what's what is out there that's gonna hurt me? And so that same thing that does that is the component that doesn't really let you control your thoughts very well when you're having an anxiety attack. But um, do your best to do your breathing, kind of come down a little bit, and use some CBT to try to reframe, and then eventually you should be able to regain con- you know control of your thoughts again. It may take a month. It may take a year. Uh, but it is a skill that you can possess, and and uh, once you master it, I think you'll you'll find that that will help heal your anxiety. However, being stalked by Bigfoot is not just an anxiety attack. <laughs> I'm going to throw that out there. It happened to you, right? Hey, it's, you know what? What? We're going squatching. All That's right. all there is Squ- to squatching. it. <laughs> all right, let me ask these three questions. All right. So one, Chris, are you happy with yourself? Yeah, let's put a grade on it. Zero to a hundred, right? Hundreds an A. It's perfect. Yeah, nobody's perfect. Even Chris well, is not. 
Perfect. If, if you ask me right now, and I'm at, well, actually, I, today was I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling good, even though I've had a ridiculously busy day um, and stressful day. I I'm still actually feeling pretty damn good. I'm gonna go ahead and say, am I happy with myself? Yes, I'm at like a 91. Um, I, I'm I'm an 89. Like to, like I'm working out like crazy. I can't seem to drop the weight. That's kind of just irritating the shit out yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I, hey, you know what? I'm 50. So. Yeah, the plateau. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm 35, and I'm clearly not dropping the weight either. <laughs> Did you uh, peak? <laughs> I, I, I peaked. <laughs> I peaked. I peaked like the, I look like that TP that I'm walking towards with my bucket. So what about do you like yourself? So we went with are you happy with yourself? Yeah. Now we're at do you like yourself? Um, I do like myself. The next question on this list, which is, do you love yourself? I don't know if I love myself, but I'm trying to get there. Um, and I think that that is probably a big thing for a lot of listeners. And especially when you have anxiety, it's very tough to say to you, like, I'm happy. Like, we, you're an 89. I'm a 91 right now, right? Well, right. let's say you and I have a panic attack in 10 minutes for whatever reason. That score is going to drop to a cool 50, like, at, at maybe at best, uh, um, so, you know, obviously your mood is, is very indicative with, you know, how your amygdala is treating you, but, um, I do like myself. I'm very proud of myself for what I've accomplished. And it took me a, a, a long time to convince myself, Hey, you should be proud of what you've accomplished. I really have accomplished a lot of good stuff, but it was very tough for me to actually say, you know, Hey, you're, you're like, it was almost like a little bit of imposter syndrome and, um, you know, which is basically like not thinking that you deserve, you know, this kind of success. So uh, I like myself, don't love myself, but I know that I will love myself in another year. I'm working on it and I will, it will happen. Uh, what about you? Okay. So yes to both. Um, and I'm that, those two, those last two took two and a half years of therapy. So I to got, get to where I said yes. I, I got to ask you, though. So last week, you, one of your chief complaints was that you you don't feel like you deserve to be happy. Yes. Which arguably is not only is that not speaking compassionately to yourself, but some somebody that you love. Let's say your wife says, Jack, I'm feeling very depressed today. You love your wife, right? Yeah. So you would say to your wife, look... I, I, I love you and you're a good person. You deserve to feel happy. So if you love yourself, why don't you deserve to be happy? Because I, honest to God, I was parroting the little voice in my head, right? Okay. That The depression monster, the one that you let inside and let sit on the couch, but they have to shut their mouth and just sit there. Mm-hmm. Mine went fucking spastic, right? <laughs> so that's why I disagree with letting them in the house. And that's why they're in a dog cage out in the backyard. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Hey, like, hey, that, that actually works. Just, you know, they can. Well, and, and to me, that's what that was. Like, literally, I was parroting what that little voice in my head was saying. And I, and I know it's not true. Mm-hmm. But to me, like, I, for so many years, would keep that inside. I would never tell somebody that. Ever. Sure. And, and and certainly when someone is recording the podcast and I didn't know they hit the button, you know, I certainly wouldn't have done it then. However, that being said, I, I got it out and I got to hear it. And I, and my inside brain is like, see how stupid that sounds? 
It sounds dumb in your head. It sounds even dumber outside your head. It's not true. And you don't believe it. So yeah, the anxiety friend and the depression friend that used to sit on the couch. No, they're out in the backyard in a dog pen now. I'm right. done with them. All right. Well, so that's so that's kind of a cool thing. So that that's basically using a little bit of self-CBT, yes. which was basically like when you were having some anxiety and having a problem, um, you know, you were able to say to yourself, look, your anxious voice is saying you don't deserve happiness, but you do love yourself and you are happy with yourself overall. So anxiety go away because you're wrong. Like you're you're just lying to me. You're an idiot. You're wrong. Um, and that's a that's a form of CBT. And and, uh, and it wasn't until I went outside of me and focused on someone else. Sure. You know yeah, what I'm saying? That's, that's when it finally kicked in. Like, hey, all right, we're done. No, that's that's a good that's a good tactic. You distract yourself by focusing on helping other people. I mean, helping other people it just makes you feel good. And uh, you know, in turn, doing that I think will help anxiety. But uh, is that why I caught you in front of Walmart handing out popcorn to people the other day? Well, uh, that and um, it wasn't bags of popcorn. You were literally just taking handfuls of it and throwing yeah, it at them. Here, my peasants. I was throwing <laughs> <laughs> along with chocolate gold coins. I was, uh, <laughs> but they were melted. But they were. I'm a man of the people, Jack. <laughs> All right, um, that wraps up that segment. We will be back in. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, and we are back. Uh, next up on our list is the fog of war. Now, here, I probably, I really would like to have somebody in in the actual military, you know, DoD, uh, talk about this. But the best we've got is a coastie, and um, so hey, uh, puddle pirate, take it away. I, if you hear a loud slamming noise, that's it's my head going against a brick wall right now or just we, because either that or my head that he's slamming against a brick wall <laughs> well i can't say i can't do it now because now everybody yeah no. our three <laughs> listeners will, <laughs> will call where did you get that black eye chris i i, I fell down, down the stairs in my office. yeah he ran into a doorknob four times <laughs> uh so um even in the you know the other military the coast guard uh we use the fog of war as an expression, right? It's when a mission or an operation that you're doing, it, it, the lines just start getting blurred. Um, and it's the same thing that we deal with, with anxiety and with depression. When's this going to end? How long do I have to keep dealing with this? Why does this keep happening to me? Blah, 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 blah. Right? So it's used in many different uh, situations. The fog of war is. When you're being overwhelmed, and I'll give you an example. Um, back in 1997, off of Montauk, Long Island, TW-800 crash, plane, plane crashed, right? Blah. Um, we showed up on scene at like 3 o'clock in the morning. We anchored like, I don't know, a quarter mile away. And by the break of dawn, when you could see in a... In a one and a half mile circle all around us was just plain debris everywhere. I, I, I cannot describe. There was patches of where you could not see water because there was just so much stuff. Let's just say stuff floating on the water. Okay. And we had to get our small boat and get it in the water and we're picking up debris and it's our boat and another boat plus uh, and we got our little boats there's a third boat that's 
receiving all the wreckage. The NTSB people on the FBI are just like, every piece of plane bring to us. Like, we're going to reconstruct this thing. And they did. They, I think they got it to like 97, 98% complete. But we were on scene for seven weeks. And you did 12 hours in the small boat. You did 12 hours on watch. And then you had... Uh, excuse me, eight, eight, and eight. So eight hours in the small boat, eight hours on watch, and then you got to rack out for eight hours. And that's for seven weeks. And every day it was like time to make, you know, time to make the donuts, right? Like you, you just get up and like the sun could be out, sun not be out, it doesn't matter. You're getting in the small boat and you're picking up pieces. And I think week three, man, you just get numb to everything. You're like, this is... Because now stuff that was on the bottom has now has little tiny air pockets and now it's floated back up to the surface. So now it it's more debris than there was initially. And you're like, shit. You're like, overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like we're on a 110-foot ship and we had a small boat. And at one point, the small boat, I, I could barely turn the helm because we had 22 pieces of luggage in a 13-foot boat. Like, I, I, like, how do you, and you know what I mean? Like, and you want to get everything because, you know, some loved one, right? So that's overwhelming. What about you? What about, what's an overwhelming, I, I think today with what you dealt with had some overwhelming moments where you're just like, all right, people, like enough. Yeah. The, the problem with something like today, though, is that I actually, and not everybody is like this, but I thrive under these kinds of like really high pace, high energy, high stress days. Um, for some reason, I just feel in my, in my element where, where like when I've got like 4,000 phone calls coming in, I mean, yeah, I get aggravated, but like, I feel like I'm one, one of these old like telephone operator ladies where like, they're just like, you know, you know, moving the, the little the switchboard, <laughs> the switchboard. The, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> any, any of our gen, what is it? Gen Z and gen alpha. None of them are going to know what that is, but, uh, Back in the old days, in uh, phones had cords phone, yeah, attached to the wall. Exactly, and uh, and uh, there was there were people at the end of those cords that were literally just plugging them in a bunch of different holes. It was uh, very impressive. But anyway, that's kind of how I feel like. But I would say that my most overwhelming thing in life has probably been anxiety, and the reason and I'll, for stuff that you have in the show notes here in the future or in the. Uh, <laughs> the next part of the show notes here, uh, for God's sake. Get it together, Christopher. This is overwhelming. They, <laughs> uh, for those reasons, um, I would say that anxiety was probably my most overwhelming thing, but I will talk about that in a moment. Okay. Now, the next component we're going to talk about is uh, monotony, right? It, it, how things just get monotonous sometimes. Um, and it just drones on. Again, we were on the ship. Uh, this was late 90s. And I was stationed up off of Cape Cod and we, in the Northeast Atlantic, 250 miles Northeast of Cape Cod. Um, if you turn left, there's nothing. If you turn right, there's nothing. And if you keep going straight, you'll hit Ireland eventually. Right. <laughs> um, but it's the middle of nowhere and it, it, there is a closed fishing area out there. And it was the, we have a Canadian border 
And literally, we would cruise up and down and just patrol this closed area of fishing where, you know, where the fish years earlier were being, you know, almost to the brink of extinction. So we had to set up security zones for the fish to rebound the stock and you got to patrol it. We're, we're talking February in the North Atlantic. It's cold in the Northeast in February. Can you imagine 250 miles Northeast of Cape Cod out in the ocean? Those, those Titanic temperatures. Yeah, it was not amazing, right? Um, and there was there would be days you would not see another ship. You're you're just out there, you're just alone, just floating. Like this is ridiculous. Why are we out here? There's no, there's nothing on radar, right? And every once in a while, you would get like a freighter, and they're like, "Hey, there's a ship. It's uh, 24 miles away. It's right over there." <laughs> so if anything happens, right? Is that the Edmund Fitzgerald? Oh yeah, and, and <laughs> you know and. Then, like, you know, what movie do we, you know, we had, like, the old uh, Navy DVD CDs, right? They'd come in, like, every month you'd get this box of new movies, and you'd have to send off. The, you don't know anything about Deb, this. Debbie Does Dallas? No, that was not allowed on the ship. <laughs> so, because uh, then nobody would work, right? Uh, but it was, what was the one where they uh, had George Clooney, and they go out fishing, and the next thing you know, like, they oh, get caught in the storm, the perfect storm. perfect storm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave you that when you're on the on a boat? Oh, yeah, that dude. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely horrible. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was me. I, I would say that the, the monotony for me was waking up every day for basically a year feeling anxious, and it was like... You know, when is this going to get, you know, better? Like, I keep on, like, I I would be able to, like, I could convince myself, like, I can heal. I can heal this. I can make this better. You know, but but why hasn't it yet? And it was just that monotony of just waking up every day feeling like trash for, like, like more or less a year. Um, that was just some severe monotony for me, which then in your next point, which is losing the will to fight, was... Uh, had a big impact on that, but uh, you, you take it away. No, go ahead. Keep well, going. I mean, ba- bas- I mean, basically, like I think the you know the anxiety. St- I never had depression. I still really don't think that I I do. I don't have. I don't classify as having depression. But there was a lot of days where I started feeling depressed, and that's just because eventually you do lose the will to fight. Your morale is just low. You're feeling like crap every single day. And the monotony just keeps on going on. And you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm just tired. Like, I just, I'm so sick of feeling like this. I'm just, I, I can't do the cold shower today. I can't, um, you know, I can't do the Wim Hof breathing. I, you know, can't do the exercising. I mean, like, it's, uh, you just sort of lose that will to fight. And, um, you know, I don't really have, I guess, good advice on how you get past that with the exception of you got to just do it. And I guess you just start small, like, you know, okay, yeah, get out of bed. So you make your bed, you make yourself a cup of coffee, and then you sort of, you know, cheer those accomplishments on. You, you, uh, um, you know, have maybe like a good breakfast or, um, or you're fasting. So then you compliment yourself and pat yourself on the back like, oh, I had the discipline to fast. And you just, I guess, try to celebrate the small victories. Um, it's tough, but that's, that, that was my losing the will to fight. So mine, I, we've talked about it before. Like, you know, I spent four hours doing CPR on like a 15-year-old boy. And like, I, I don't want to be, if you've never been in that predicament, 
then you can mock me all you want. But those that have been in that predicament understand that you just get to a point you're like, okay, this is, I don't want to say I'm wasting my time, but you know the percentages. You, you, you know, like, okay, this boy was underwater for 45 minutes. Yes, I got his heart going. I'm still keeping it going. However, oxygenated blood was cut off to the brain for, you know, an hour and 10 minutes now. And it's not cold outside. So if it was, you know, sub 30 degrees, the chances increase, but we're, we're it, you know, it's like 80 th- degrees th- outside. Things aren't looking good. I mean. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, I got his parents standing like right behind me and his dad keeps putting his hand on my shoulder telling me not to stop. And you're just like, and, you know, then there's that psychological fact that, you know, when you are trained CPR, you're trained on a mannequin for a reason. You're trained to, to look at that. You're not trained to look at them as a person. You're trained to look at them as a vessel, right? Kind of like an engine. Like, okay, d- does it have oil? Is it leaking? Is it leaking any fluids? No. Okay, so why isn't it turning over? Why? Why is the battery dead? You know what I mean? Like you're, you're working your way through, and and CPR and resuscitation is kind of the same thing. Yeah. You're just going through the steps. Um, so I. You know, you just kind of get to that point. You're like, you know, I, I'm done. Like, I am. I can't do another dead body this summer. Like, you're just going to have to give me a break here. Right? Um, so, it's a term, and it's called burnout. And it's when you just can't give anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you, you can. You can. You, you can break through that ceiling, and you can accomplish so much more than you think you ever could. And I will say this, fight and then fight some more. Yeah, there, there was a, an old an old a Navy SEAL that said, I don't know which, which one of you know, all, all of these guys become fucking celebrities somehow or another. But anyway, one, one of them said, like, basically, when you think that you're at zero percent, you still have 40 percent left in the tank. Uh, and I actually do really believe that that's true. The human body is capable of just some amazing, you know, feats. Um, I think it was David Goggins. Yeah. Yeah, David, that sounds, him or Sean Ryan, one of the two. Okay, yeah, both, yeah those, both of those sound familiar. But uh, anyway, it, it, it's true. Um, <clears throat> it's tough, but you just kind of got to pick yourself up by the by the strings and, and just, just keep going a little bit longer because I got to tell you, it's worth it. You know, when you feel, when you finally feel good. And like, let's say you're having a a, you know year of horrible anxiety. Let's say you're one of you know unfortunate case where you're having ten years of unfortunate anxiety. There are many cases of people that have had decades long anxiety problems and have come out on top. So you know you have a really good day, you feel awesome, and then you have another six months of feeling like garbage. Um, But hey, you had that one good day, so you just hold on to that as much as you can, and you fight and fight and fight, and then you'll have two days, and then you'll have a week, and then you'll have a month. It just might take a long time, and it sucks, but just keep doing it, and just keep on celebrating those small victories and speaking compassionately to yourself. And I love that you said that, because you said it earlier, Um, and I kind of threw these in the show notes, and I was like, so you don't want to get up out of bed. Great. Get up and make it. Now it's too pretty to lay in right? Or if you just happen to just sit back down and kind of just lay your head back on the pillow, you're not in your bed per se. You're kind of just laying on top of a, of a, of a big couch, right? (laughs) At that point, you know, get dressed. Uh, you don't want to deal with other people. Great. Uh, go to your local coffee shop and get a drink. 
even if you turn around and leave, you've already won. You've put yourself in that position to be near other people. I, I, before you get to the, the next one, I want to just make a quick uh, side note for those that suffer with agoraphobia, which is a, a, a big um, proponent, com- component of anxiety. Um, if you can't get out of your house or and go to a local coffee, coffee shop because it's, the anxiety is just too bad and you can't leave, just try to take one step outside of your, like on your front doorstep and just sit there for 10 seconds and then head back inside. And then, you know, then an hour later or the next day, try to take 10 steps out and, and you know, just keep on trying to get a little bit further. So just, you know, do what you can. Um, anyway. No, I totally agree. Um, and for the light one, the last one, you know, if you feel like no one cares, pay it forward. Call a friend or family member and ask how they are doing. Make them important and your focus instead of focusing on what you're not getting. And that's what happened to me last week. I stopped with the, you know, th- this isn't turning out the way I wanted it to. And and this is happening. And, and by the way, all these, you know, it's a perfect storm inside my brain of all these different things. And blah, 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 blah. Um, Someone reached out and they're like, I have a friend that needs help. What do you, what do you recommend? And then right then it was just like, all right, all right, bullshit train. I'll stop. Get off. It's time to get into work mode. Let's help out somebody. Yeah, Let's it was a, think of someone other than me. And a, a very good distraction for yourself and, and a rewarding one at that. And um, that, that really is, I think, a, a strong way to, to help with your anxiety is um, – help somebody else and, and distract yourself. So. Yeah. And you know what? When I was done, I had thought about how far I had come. And yes, I am having a recurrence, but that's what that is. And I know it because we're doing this podcast. I know it because we've because I I did four and a half years of therapy. I didn't spin back down into the cavern that I normally would. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was yeah, like, able, able to control it a little better and and um Absolutely. Yeah. And again, everybody has bad days, you know, it's and even even the Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk's of the world have a bad day. You know, sometimes you're just going to wake up and feel like shit. It sucks, but it's just the way it is. Um, but uh, when they're not practicing their BJJ fighting, is that what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, if I hear one more time about the Zuckerberg Musk fight, I'm going to lose my it, mind. It's at when an absolute Speaking of embarrassment, an absolute embarrassment for this this country and its priorities. I, but, you know, uh, people will spend money to go watch that. I, oh, oh. Bo- it will make them both a billionaire again because of the amount of tickets that they will sell. That, that Because that's just how we operate here. It's sad. Uh, time from the podcast for uh, Table Talk. A little bit of that Table Talk time. Keep asking the same question. Just looking for an update, buddy. Trying to see how them burpees are looking, by the way. Uh, how is my therapy going? And is the tele-help, teledoc doctor helping? Um, I wouldn't know because I haven't, <laughs> <laughs> haven't had a session with him again yet. Yet, But it is on the books. But he was, uh, I don't know when it is. It's like mid-August. Jesus. How often do you guys meet? Uh, we uh, That last time. Which was? July. Uh, in beginning of July, I think it's been a month. Okay, so once a month therapy sessions is where you're at. Yes, and I'm feeling great. 
I didn't ask if you were feeling great. I'm asking, do you think right now with the fact if we go back in the show notes, yeah. when I asked, do you love yourself? And the answer was no. I don't think he... Um, I don't think he's going to make me love myself. That's something that I need to work on personally. So do you think you probably have the wrong clinical person helping you out? Oh, 100%. What I said it. I said I'd give him one more chance. You did you did in July. He struck out, Casey. He well he well he did. I look, I can cancel the goddamn appointment. No, you don't have I you can only cancel if you have someone else filling in that will meet you more than every six months. I don't have that yet. And by the way, thank you very much because my wife is gonna scold me and say, <laughs> you know, see, even Jack says that you should uh you know, need to talk to somebody or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I genuinely, listen. Oh, I it, genuinely, it must be tough for have people care about you. It, it is. It's. <laughs> you're, both, you're both overwhelming, monotonous, and, and creating the, lo- the loss of will to fight for me. He can't even talk right okay. now. This is amazing. <laughs> Look, I'm still open to therapy, but I really am feeling fantastic. And I know that as soon as I have a bad day, if I have a bad day again, that I'm going to be like, yeah, I probably do need to talk to somebody. But when that rolls around, I will I will try to find somebody. And you know what? I'm not going to dick around on Teladoc anymore. I'll try to find somebody local. The longer you go without actually seeing somebody, the more you're convinced yourself you are smarter than everybody else and you don't need to. I, okay. That is an interesting thing, and I and I will ponder that. I'm act, I'm I'm like legitimately going to like think that one over. But at in this instance, uh, l- listen, I've said this before on the podcast that I think that everybody could do to have a therapist. Like I think having somebody you can just vent to and talk to, even if you don't have anxiety or depression, is yeah, a good yeah. thing. Is a good thing to have. So it's not that I'm again not that I'm against a therapist or therapy. But my option is either Teladoc, which is a bunch of oafs, or, and I'm sorry for anybody that's a Teladoc listener. I mean, I'm sure you're great. <laughs> and then, I'm and, sure you're a very wonderful person. And, and then the other option is pay 350 bucks because somewhere in my hometown, they don't take my insurance. So, and I'm just too cheap to do that right now because I'm feeling good. So, no, I'm feeling great. You know what? So, you know what's going to happen? What? Just so everybody knows, like one of our future guests is going to be my former therapist, Miss Lisa, aka Badass. And what's going to happen is this show's going to start out. Kit, Chris is going to drop, knock it off, and uh, or get it going. And uh, I'll say something, you know, witty, right? And then I'm going to say, "Hey, Lisa, Chris is all yours." And then your couch you have in your office, I'm just going to go lay down on it and take a 45-minute nap because you and her are going to, like, work some things she, out. She's just going to do her th- Hey, you know what I'm going to do? She's going to eat your lunch. That's all there is to and it. And at the end of uh, Lisa, I hope you're listening to this episode. Bring it on. Okay? <laughs> I'm telling I, you, don't kick a tiger. I got you, fam. I'm, you're, you're Michael Jordan. I'm LeBron James. Let's do this. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a sports analogy. Do you actually know who they are? Uh, yeah, they play tennis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> and on that bombshell. Uh, everybody, that was episode 15 of The Only Way Is Up. Um, thank you so much for listening. And we will be back with another episode 
really soon. Thank you for listening to The Only Way Is Up. The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for professional medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please consult with your doctor. Please like, follow, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you need to contact us, feel free to reach out to us at support at thecoco.net.